0: Well, if you would, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're looking at verses 17 through 21, or you can certainly just follow along in your bulletin if you like. We are in our new sermon series that's titled New Uh, We saw two weeks ago that God gives us new birth in Christ, and therefore, we're able to see things differently. We're able to see Christ and his kingdom. Last week, we looked at verse 17, which we're going to look at again, uh, but we looked at the three verses before it, didn't we? And we saw that because we're new creations in Christ, we now have new sight. We see in a different way. So we're able to see and enter the kingdom of God. Now, today we begin... Uh, kind of where we left off last week, we're going to continue with Second Corinthians chapter five, beginning in verse seventeen. And here Paul alerts us to something special. In Christ, we share a new creation calling—a calling to be ambassadors of the greatest King ever, ambassadors for Christ. Do you see yourself as Christ's ambassador? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these amazing words in scripture. Um, we know they come from above because man can never think of them. And <laughs> um, We thank you that you are the one um, who pursues us and reconciles with us, gives us new life that we may be ambassadors for Christ. Help us to understand more clearly why this is and what it means. Fill us with your spirit in this very hour, we pray. Amen. (laughs) Do you remember the 1999 blockbuster movie? Yeah, I'm going way back then. The Matrix. Talk about a mind-blowing, action-packed, sci-fi movie. It's rated R, so it's not for everybody. But the basic storyline goes like this. A a computer hacker named Neo senses through online activity that, that something is wrong with the world, and turns out everyone is living in an artificial reality. Sentient computers have taken over the world, and human beings are used as sources of fuel and heat. In actuality, Neo is living inside a pod along with the rest of humanity. The life he thinks he's living is just an elaborate artificial intelligence creation. Inside the AI reality, Neo is hacked into by some truly free human beings. And Neo is given an offer. Take and swallow the red pill and you can exit this artificial reality and join the real world with all of its struggles. Or you could take the blue pill and return to the happy life inside the artificial reality without any memory of what's been discovered. Neo takes the red pill, finds himself uh, naked inside a fluid-filled pod. The old has passed, the new has come, and there's no going back for Neo. Oh, and by the way, in the Greek, neos means new, Now, in the movie, there's another character named Cypher, and maybe you remember him, who was part of the resistance. He was really growing weary of this life on the run, this life in the real world, and he wanted to go back to his old life of eating steak and just enjoying life's simple pleasures. If he would but turn in the freedom resistance fighters, he could go back to being plugged into the Matrix and living a life of his dream without any memory of the real world that's there. That's what he did. Now, here we go. A little stretch here. The Christian life (laughs) is a little bit like the movie The Matrix. A little. Like maybe one or two things. But, see, God gives us new life. And in Christ we are new creations. The old has passed the new has come. And and if you recall from the previous weeks, um, this new birth gives us new eyes to see God's kingdom, to see Christ, to desire it, and to enter into it. See, until there is this new birth from above, um, you can live, in a sense, in an alternative reality. Living for your own stories. Trying to maximize your enjoyment of the few years you have on earth. But when God makes us new, we become new. We're able to behold Christ with different eyes. We see his kingdom and gladly enter. And we determine to live for him who died and rose for us. Right? Remember that from last week? But there's an issue that Christians face, and that's that we can, at times, find ourselves in that character Ciphers' position. This life and its trials and hardships can be difficult, And, and it's true sometimes, right? Difficulties come into our lives because we are following after Christ. And so living for Christ seems harder, and we get weary, and we can be tempted to pick up that blue pill and swallow it. This church in Corinth seems to be addicted to blue pills. As a result, this church is full of so many dysfunctions. They're so immature in so many areas. And so Paul has to speak plainly to them and sternly to them. Paul tells them and us that God has made all of his children to be new creations. And not so that we can keep living in our old ways. No, we were made with as new creations and given a new calling. That's what we're going to look at this morning. We need to take Paul's words to heart. Now, I'm not suggesting that Grace Church is dysfunctional as that church in Corinth. Uh, But it is true that we can lose track of God's big picture, of what God is doing. And we can want to take the blue pill and just go back to living like our unbelieving neighbors. Do you feel that? temptation? I know I do. This morning, Paul teaches us that those who are in Christ have a new creation call, and we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. That's what we're going to discern this morning. We're going to do that looking in two areas. First, we're going to look at God's work, and then we're going to look at our work. First, God's work. Whether you're a Christian here or not, there is one of the most important things you can ever come to grips with, and that's this, the scope and the scale of the gospel. See, unbelievers will roll their eyes at Christianity. They think it offers nothing of interest to them. And Christians, too, can live weak, unproductive lives because we underestimate the scope and the scale of the gospel. Christians, we can hold to a small gospel, a gospel that's about us and just living for things that we want to get out of life. But for Paul and for mature Christians, the gospel isn't small. Uh, Its scope and scale is enormous. We see it in verse 17. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, in the original Greek, all those words aren't there. In the original Greek, here's what it says. It says, therefore, anyone in Christ, new creation. Therefore, if anyone in Christ knew creation. Now, some translations, uh, well, all translations have to supply a verb and a subject in there in order to kind of try to make sense of what's going on. The old NIV and our ESV say, say, he is a new creation. And the new NIV, they've changed some things. And other translations say this, there is a new creation. Which is it? Is Paul wanting us to think about ourselves being new creations in Christ? Or does he want us to think about God's big new creation that he's promised to come? I think Paul wants us to see both. See, the pronoun anyone seems to imply that this is for individuals. Paul is talking about individuals being changed at conversion. But there's other data to consider. One is this. Paul never uses the noun creation when talking about people. And two, Paul's focus has been on Christ's death and his resurrection. And Christ's death and resurrection mark a great radical eschatological shift in things. Remember, the word eschatological means it speaks of the eschaton or the age to come. The Old Testament speaks of the Estecon, it speaks of the age to come, it speaks of God bringing an end to the world as we know it, of God recreating the universe, our world, and God's people made in his image and will be remade in perfection for all of eternity. God is bringing a new creation, a new heaven, a new earth. Jesus' death and resurrection inaugurate this reality and they guarantee its future fullness. And so in a real sense, if you're in Christ, new creation has come upon you. Yes, you have been made new individually, but ultimately you're just a small part of God's new creation that is to come. Do you see yourself that way? Can you wrap your head around it? You are part of God's big cosmic plan of redemption and renewal and restoration. See, mankind's problem isn't just that we are sinners and in need of forgiveness. Is it not true that we are, we are broken people living in a broken and sorrowful world? And for us to ever enjoy lasting peace and joy as creatures made in God's image, God must create a new universe to come and he must make us fit to be there. And so the challenge for that ancient church in Corinth and the challenge for us here today is to have eyes to see what God is really up to. God's plan of redemption and reconciliation is nothing short of forever fixing this beautiful but broken world and forever fixing beautiful but broken people so that we may be new creations living in God's new creation. Does that make sense? There's no more wonderful news than you could ever hear than this. There is no greater good that God could ever do for the universe or for you. See, every trouble, listen, every trouble that every human being has ever experienced throughout our time on earth finds its remedy in what God is doing. Everything, every disease, every sorrow, every injustice, every brokenness, every death, Everything finds its remedy in what God is doing and nowhere else. And so we must know that this new creation day is coming. And so for now, we we must wait for it, longing for it, but we must also live as God has called us to live, as his ambassadors. Now, there's another thing we need to wrap our heads around. It's before we move on to our Last point, and that's this. New creation necessitates reconciliation. The fact that God is making a new creation out of his old creation means that reconciliation must take place. Imagine you're a good artist and you, and you created this amazing piece of artwork and you had it for sale at a gallery. But imagine that the gallery owner got all drunk one night, took a pair of scissors and just hacked it to bits destroyed your creation. Tell me, how would you respond? Would you not rightly be angered? Would you not rightly feel that the gallery owner deserved condemnation and judgment? And and would not your relationship be severed to the point where it could almost never be restored again? Would that not be true? And would it not also be true that in order for your relationship with the gallery owner to be restored, something must take place? Reconciliation. In our passage, the word reconcile shows up many times in reconciliation. It means to to bring into agreement or into harmony, to make compatible, to settle a quarrel or a dispute. I think we all know that a relationship that is strained is doomed unless there is reconciliation. Often reconciliation, though, is the last thing that ever happens. Reconciliation is hard, isn't it? See, reconciliation doesn't sweep things under the rug. No real lasting reconciliation necessitates that the facts be laid bare and that each party takes responsibility for their failures. Reconciliation isn't forgiveness from afar. It's a restored relationship up close and personal and reconciliation is hard because isn't it true often neither or you know neither party or one of the parties doesn't want reconciliation consider the times that someone has hurt you how do you typically respond do you not take first steps of vengeance instead of first steps of peace Do we not think that the other person is the one who needs to come to us? After all, they're the one who messed up the painting. Consider the times that you hurt someone. How do you typically respond? Isn't your tendency, even though you maybe didn't do something right, is to shift blame and uh, make excuses? Certainly not to take that first step of reconciliation. Reconciliation is hard because we naturally don't want to take first steps. But did you notice in our passage that this is not how God operates? Look at these wonderful words in verse 18. Fix your eyes on this. All this is from God. All this is from God. It's all God's idea. It's all God's initiative. Let's read on. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. God reconciled us us to himself notice we don't reconcile god to us it wasn't our idea for god to send his son to make reconciliation happen it's all god god takes the first step god reconciles us to himself what a glorious god we have he's the one who takes the first initiative he's the one who moves towards sinners We're so lost in our spiritual blindness that we can't even see our need for reconciliation. But God mercifully moves towards us. The whole world needs to be reconciled to God. Paul tells us these amazing words in verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God sent Jesus to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death that we deserve. Jesus lived in sinless perfection. God offered up his son as a sacrifice for us. See, reconciliation cannot be a sweeping of our sins underneath a rug. To act as if they never happened. You know, today many people mock Christianity because of the message of reconciliation in which we point to the cross and what God has done done for us by Christ dying for our sins. People will think you're an idiot for believing such foolish nonsense that, that God would substitute his son to atone for us. But I think it shows an ignorance in regards to understanding of relationships. With all reconciliation, human or divine, Trespasses must be dealt with. They cannot be swept under the rug. They must be dealt with once and for all. And God has done this for the world once and for all. The last verse drives this home. For our sake, he, that's God, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. God made his own son to be sin in our place. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. God does not sweep our sins under the rug. You might want him to, but the choice is simple. Give your sins to Christ, and he will take them away or hold on to them until judgment day. God is up to something big. Its scale and its scope are beyond our full comprehension. God has promised a day when he will recreate the heavens and the earth, this entire universe, and that day is coming. In the meantime, God is busy reconciling people back to himself. If you're here today and you haven't trusted in Christ, perhaps today is the day. Turn to him, trust in him. No longer wipe, swipe your trespasses underneath the rug. In fact, let them be in plain sight. But then also see that God stands ready to reconcile you, to draw you back to him with great love and tenderness, to make you a new creation in Christ. If you are a Christian here, why on earth would you ever want to take a blue pill and live obliviously to this work of your Father who's in heaven? Open your eyes to what God is up to. Fix your delight upon your Father in heaven. Find your hope in what he is doing. Marvel at its scope and scale. And delight in the fact that you are being made new for that new creation day. So that is God's work of new creation. We needed to see the scope and the scale of this new creation so that you and I can find our proper place in it. Now let's look at our last point, our work as new creations. And here's the gist of what we'll unpack. Because our Heavenly Father has made us new creations in Christ, we now have a new calling, a calling to be ambassadors for Christ. Or to restate it negatively, how could we not be ambassadors for Christ? If God is so passionate about reconciling the world to himself, if God has given us his own son to secure this new heavens and new earth, if he desires to forgive rebels and draw them into his family, if this is who God is and what he's doing, and and if he is our heavenly father, then of course we too would want to bring this message to this hurting world. Remember the context of this passage. The people in Corinth are making fun of Paul, trying to get members of the church to reject Paul as a second rate leader. Paul is saying, Yes, people think I'm out of my mind. People can't understand why I enter into hardship instead of popping blue pills. I don't care what people think, though. I don't care if they think I'm a fool. I'm simply living out my calling as an ambassador for Christ. And Paul wants the church to see that this is their calling too. If they would just mature as new creations, they would see that they are called to be ambassadors for Christ. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Verse 18. God gave us this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. And entrusting to us, The message of reconciliation. Now, some of you may be thinking, isn't Paul just referring to himself and some uh, other leaders in the church? Well, he could be, but I don't think that's the case. See, every Christian shares this calling. In Christ, we're all made God's children, and therefore we're all to be involved in the family business of reconciling the world to God. We all share this calling, but not all Christians live out this calling. That's why Paul writes in verse 20, we implore you on behalf of, of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, why would Paul write to Christians who already are reconciled to God that they need to be reconciled to God? Well, it's not that they haven't been reconciled, with the big R. They've trusted in Christ. The thing is, they're immature Christians, and they get that God has forgiven them, but they haven't fully traced out Those implications. And so though they have this calling to live new lives for the Heavenly Father, they're still living according to the flesh. Remember last week we talked about that? They're still still chasing after petty dreams and treating other people poorly. So they need to be reconciled, but with a small R to God. See, the crazy stuff that is going on in the church in Corinth truly troubles God. And so they need to be reconciled to God in the sense that they need to draw near to God. They need to recenter their lives upon God. They need to remember the story and be transformed by it. Now, isn't this what we do every Sunday in our prayer of confession? We have perfect reconciliation with Christ. So that our sins truly are forgiven, past, present, and future. And yet each week, each day, do we not fall short? And so we gather for confession. We confess that were it not for Christ, we would still be dead in our sins. And we are reconfirming before God and each other that, that we delight in the mercy and the grace of God, that we feed upon it, that it transforms us and changes us. That's what we do when we gather in confession. We are being reconciled back to God with a, with a small r, right? Right? So Paul calls this church to be reconciled, confess their shortcomings, confess confess their petty feuds and their selfishness. He reminds them of just who they belong to and what it means uh, to be a child of God as a new creation. Paul wants us to see that all Christians, as they mature in their understanding of God's big picture of a new creation, are to see that we have a calling to live our lives as ambassadors for Christ. What does this look like? What is it that ambassadors for Christ do? You know, I think our modern perception of what an ambassador is is helpful. Ambassador is a chosen and certified representative of the highest rank that represents the interest of one country before the leadership of another country. And Paul is saying that he is an ambassador for Christ. The risen Christ no longer walks on this earth, But he is alive. He rules and reigns from heaven. His kingdom is here. Paul is a member of it. And as a member of Christ's kingdom, he is an ambassador for Christ. We read in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. Isn't that amazing? God makes his appeal through people like you and me. He trusts us with that. The passage says that that we are entrusted with the message of the gospel. Paul says in verse 18 that God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. My friends, it's a gift to have this ministry. God's given it to us. Oh, to see yourself as an ambassador for Christ, as a minister of reconciliation in this broken and fallen and hurting world. See, if you're in Christ, not only has God given you the ministry of reconciliation, look at verse 19, but also he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Let me ask you this. Who else is going to go into this hurting world and tell them of God's wonderful new creation if it's not us? Who is going to go and meet with the people on the east end of Long Island and meet them in their suffering and their sorrow and in their hardships and point them to a God who is willing to reconcile with them? Who's going to do that if it's not us? That's our calling here at Grace Church. If you're in Christ, that is our calling. Ambassadors for Christ. Do you see yourself this way? Do you see yourself as a new creation that's been entrusted with this message of reconciliation? You know, I'm happy to say, I think God is doing a great work in our church. I know sometimes when you're sitting there in the pew, you feel like a really heavy burden, right? But let me say something. Our church is really growing and maturing. Uh, We had a huge turnout for our our evangelism workshop um, just a few months ago. I mean, dozens of people showed up intent on trying to learn, I probably didn't know it at the time, how to learn to be better ambassadors for Christ. And I can tell you, our church is being transformed by this. This is a good sign. This is good news. We are maturing as a church in this very important area. I'm pleased. I, I feel like our Heavenly Father is pleased with Grace Church. May we keep it up. And of course, we always have Christianity Explorer coming up next month. Just be reminded that, um, of our calling. The East End of Long Island, um, your boss, who's really maybe perhaps at times mean and angry and bossy, <laughs> um, what is it that he, he or she needs? Reconciliation. New creation. What is it that every soul on the East End of Long Island needs? To be part of the new creation that God has brought you into. God has placed people in your lives, your lives, so that you can bring this message of hope and peace to people's souls. What high and holy calling. There's no greater thing to live for. There's no greater identity to have than being an ambassador for Christ. And if you are in Christ, that's who you are. Perhaps this passage this morning, as we've studied it, has given you new insights. Perhaps God has taken you a whole new level of understanding. I hope that's the case. You've seen more clearly just how much God loves this world. You've seen more clearly what it means to be made new. The old really has passed away. You are a new creation, bound for God's new creation. And with this newness in full view... Hopefully, you now see yourself differently. As we saw last week, we're we're no longer to live for ourselves, but for the sake of him who died and was raised for us. Christ has given you life. So now you get to live and to share this message with others so that they may experience this new life too. There's no greater calling. All other priorities in our lives need to line up somewhere underneath that. Do you agree? You know, a little over a year ago, um, a woman started coming to our women's uh, Bible study, the Tuesday morning one. And over time, she became more and more transformed by the gospel. And she started telling her hairdresser all these different things she's learning. It was quite odd because they were going to the book of Judges at the time, right? Uh, And so this went on for a year. Now, recently, the woman, the hairdresser, has been diagnosed with cancer, and it's not good. Leslie went with this woman from the Bible study to meet with her. See, so unless a miracle happens, she will she will die soon. And so Leslie befriended this woman, prayed with her, and shared the message that we share, and left her some some things to read, some things that speak of the difficult circumstances she's in and and what God has to say about it through Christ. And Leslie prayed for her, and then they left. And then two weeks ago, Leslie and her friend returned to this woman's home. She's unable to walk. She's in many ways invalid, fighting for her life. But now a completely different woman welcomes her in. The woman with cancer had a joy and a peace about her that wasn't there before. See, she'd come to believe. And she said, I'm paraphrasing, she said something along these lines. She says, I know it sounds weird, but I'm thankful for my cancer. If I didn't have this diagnosis, I would not have ever come to know Christ and what it means, what his life means for me. Wow, what a transformation! The woman said that now she really has a new desire to live, but, but she doesn't have to. God could take her life now. She's fine with that, but she's become a new person, and she wants to live out this new life that God has given her as many days as she can. My friends, Christians, you, you, you have this ministry of Reconciliation. Christ calls you to be an ambassador. Yes, it's hard to live out this ministry. It can be hard to share this message. Not everybody wants it, but it's what they need. We are the ones who must take the first steps. Others aren't gonna take steps towards us. We must be willing to go that people may be reconciled. See, you and I have a high and glorious calling we get to proclaim to a broken, sorrowful world that a new world is coming. Yes, a world like ours, but completely new in all its perfection and joy. We get to go to the world and tell people that God is reconciling people to himself, that he wants to do this, and he's doing it so that he can make people new creations, so that they will be ready for the new creation that is to come. My friends, we're ambassadors for Christ, and God is making his gracious appeal through us. May we embrace and live out this calling together. Let's pray. First, we just thank you that you have done this work, Heavenly Father, um, that you made the move towards us, While we are still sinners, Christ died for us, that you were the one on the move, reconciling this world to yourself. You see it, you haven't scrapped it, you are making it new. Give your people eyes to see that. May we not be content with the pettiness of life, the simple pleasures that often lead us away from you. May we embrace our calling to be ambassadors. May we honor you, Um, and when we fall short, may we be reminded of the grace that we have In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.